What's good with everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Gifted Hoops. My name is Gifted and we're here today with special guest and content creator Swipe McCam to discuss the Denver Nuggets 2023 season and also 2024 expectations. Swipe, how you doing, man? Good. I don't know why you brought me on to talk Nuggets. I'm a Warriors fan. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot because you also believe in gravity. Yeah, I do. Yeah, man. I, I love Steph off ball gravity, man. Just wish he was uh, wish he was clutch when it mattered in the playoffs. But yeah, man. Oh, uh, okay. Very, Indeed. Very excited for this episode, bro. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um. So I want to start this off first off by saying shout out to Swipe. He is a frequent collaborator um, everywhere that we go. Um, for the Denver Nuggets specifically, what I really want to hear you address is your expectations coming into the season. Obviously, it was a phenomenal season for the Denver Nuggets, but it would do us justice to begin from the offseason headed into last season. So what were your expectations? Yeah, last year I predicted, uh, I think in July, July 15th, I think. Uh, 2022, that the Nuggets were going to end up playing the Milwaukee Bucks in the NBA Finals, and then that the Nuggets would win the championship in the NBA Finals. But uh, I didn't think that the year was going to go quite the way it did. So I think I predicted before the season, Jokic was going to win his third straight. I thought that with everybody back, its efficiency would be bananas, which it was. I thought they would finish as a top three seed. It's funny, though. I had the Warriors one, the Nuggets two seed, and I had the Clippers the third seed going into last season and then obviously uh that things fell apart for the warriors and for the clippers um so i think getting kcp and bruce brown man you know i, I said it all last year i think that if the nuggets had a uh even last year if the nuggets had bruce brown or kcp those kind of defenders i think they could have actually played that series versus the warriors fairly even to the point where Jokic was so good in that series that if he had just a semblance of defense I think they could have at least pushed it to six or seven, but that's just because of how good his individual greatness was. And I'm, you know, I told you too. I don't think that, I don't think that basketball year. I, I mean, you think if you let me know if you think I'm tripping. I think 2021 was weak because of the injuries. But I think obviously, like you know, all the teams were hurt that made it to the conference finals the year before. But I think 2022, I think the year was strong. I think that outside the Warriors and the Celtics. I'm trying to think because obviously Chris Middleton wasn't available. But right. I think just the year, the year just didn't feel as uh, one of the stronger years because the Warriors obviously washed the Nuggets when they had Faku and Monte and Will. And then you played versus, you know, the Grizzlies. But like, you know, John Morant went down. Like, it, you know, they weren't going to, they weren't going to beat the Warriors. And then you played the Mavericks, you know, in the Western Conference Finals. What was that, a 4 1 series or something like that? Yeah. And then. You know, then you played the finals and then, you know, we ran into turnover Tatum and inefficient Brown and all that stuff. So, you know, I think like I just felt like if the Nuggets were able to get the guys healthy, Porter and Jamal, that they were able to get the defense around them. I did not expect Christian Brown to become the defender that he was at all. And I mean, I knew he was a good defender, but I didn't think like. You know, from the game two of that year when he ripped Jordan Poole, I was like, all right, yeah, this kid is different. Like, he's a very good defender. Um, so the year definitely predicted the finals win, but that was more so based on what I thought I could imagine what they did in the Western Conference Finals. And then when they were healthy, I got to go do the numbers again, Gibbs. But I think that on in the playoff settings before they went, before this year, I think Murray, Jokic, and Porter 
I think they had a 123.9 offensive rating in a playoff setting when all three of them were on the court together. So I was just like, bro, if they could just stay healthy, I mean, they're going to be able to get anything they want. And then, you know, sure enough, obviously they did. So definitely had high expectations, but just because I knew, like, you know, you can't waste another year of Jokic's prime, even though it wasn't a waste the players were hurt. Remember, I said that if Jamal Murray or, you know, Porter, they don't get it done or at least get to the finals, I could see one of them being shipped out because, you know, you can't, you know, waste Jokic's years. And then Malone could have been, you know, on the rack because he had been with the team a really long time. And obviously, like, now they're finally healthy. So, man, everything just kind of, uh, everything that I would have hoped would happen for the team and for the players and for Calvin Booth and for the organization, man, it, it all kind of happened, you know. Yeah, I, so... We have talked about this a lot of times, right? Coming into the season for me, I power ranked Denver as the team that was going to probably be the one seed, if not my team, Golden State. Um, I looked at the moves Denver had made. Like, Bruce Brown played phenomenally well in Brooklyn, actually was their most consistent player on a team that had Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in the same series where they got swept, but he played really good basketball. So getting him to me was an absolute steal. And at the same time, adding KCP, who was already a pretty good shooter and, and guy who could chase, he was really productive. And just adding that to complement Jamal and MPJ coming back, I felt like would speak volumes to how productive this team could be. For years, I've I've always respected and appreciated Jokic and, and the Nuggets and how they play basketball. To me, it's very similar to Golden State in terms of the off-ball passing uh, three-point shooting all you guys have that similar type of system in, in my opinion right. and the fact that you get a chance to add in guys who have length and size to to yoke is like being able to put more defensive rotations around him to me I, I feel like this could be the year where you guys finally strike gold and all throughout the season you really saw that really show itself more and more me personally coming in i'm not gonna lie i have confidence in my team to be able to produce I had Denver and the Warriors in the finals. I did not think that, you know, we would have the season finals. we had. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I thought Denver was like the number one team in the league that like I was really concerned with. Like, I understand how good the Bucks are, how good the Celtics are. But to me, right. Jokic as the offensive player, like it's him and Steph as like the best offensive players in the NBA and understanding how good he is when it matters most again like seeing him come back from down 3-1 alongside jamal who i feel like could bounce back i understood how serious of a team this was and i'm happy that you know they were able to capitalize on that and actually win so for me those were my expectations of the denver nuggets but obviously it was an outstanding season for sure yeah i think the only time I would say I recruit, you know, Gifty. We we've been we've been friends for two years now, and um, yeah, you know, I remember when you and Heaven Sent and people in your Discord don't know who Heaven Sent are. You know, one of Gifted, uh, one of our good friends, great basketball mind. Yes, man. Shout out Heaven Sent. Yeah, <laughs> and I remember you all did that space in December because remember the, the Nuggets. Maybe it might have been November actually. Because remember the Nuggets lost. Uh, they lost to like the Pistons. The Mavericks and somebody else, like I think the Raptors or the Spurs, it was one of those. No, that was that was in uh, that was no in I, April. Or that March. wasn't April. Um, but remember, y'all did a space because they had their defense was twenty eighth 
in the NBA at the time. Yeah. And so I remember when we did that faith, you know, and that was when Heaven Sent before she started her troll. And I hope she sees this one day because she, she, she dead was like, you know, Jokic's defense, you were questioning Jokic's defense, which was fair because they sucked. They were terrible. Like they were looking horrendous, and here I was in the offseason. Like, no, they get KCP, they get Bruce, they got AG, Porter's an improved defender, they're gonna figure it out. But I remember they got a new scheme, Ryan Saunders came on, so it was taking time. They went, they were mid last year, and then they got bad, like what worse than it's ever been. And then by December 5th, whenever they played the Memphis Grizzlies, they beat the Grizzlies 105 to 91, and the Grizzlies have been rolling. And then they took over the first seed in early December. And basically from then on, they were the seventh ranked defense in the NBA. Like it's just something happened. Like they just started committing to it. And really they were higher than that prior to like beating Memphis again uh, when they went up seven games in, in the conference. And they were they were 44 and 19, I think after they beat Memphis. And they literally just cruised the rest of the season. Like it was just, a, you know, they just... They didn't need to win any more games at a high level. They were already so far ahead of everybody else. They just basically said, we're just going to get ready for the playoff. And I think, man, that that December to March stretch, man, I think for me, was just like, I mean, they went like 19 and three at one point as well. They were dominant, mud dominant. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so for me, it was like, I thought Jokic had to, we all, we all thought Jokic had the MVP locked up in February. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Jamal was playing better. Yeah, but I think a lot of this, man, they just had to do it in the playoffs because everybody had this idea that the Nuggets were just... And you remember this. They were calling the Nuggets the 2021 Utah Jazz. Great Yes, they team, were. Great record. They Nasty. said they were the 20... Uh, what was that? The 14-15 uh, Atlanta Hawks when they won 60 They games. wanted Denver in the first round. It was crazy to hear people say, right. we want Denver as if, like, I don't think we're watching the same basketball because from the start to the season all the way through, Denver was molly-whopping teams with offensive pace Jokic was making great choices and by the way this is at a time where Jamal wasn't even fully Jamal yet he was still right. working himself back into shape so seeing right. people just have those comments and like seeing these things have answers was a phenomenal thing for me to see but you brought it up so we got to go there okay for the regular season because this is something that really frustrates me the MVP award every single year Things change about the criteria and how it's represented by certain members of the national media. In my opinion, I just want to say this for the record because I don't think I've ever really had this convo here, but Nikola Jokic to me deserved his two other MVPs. He was durable. He was very, very good for his team. The playmaking chops, all that was there. And on top of it, they were still winning games. Even last year where there was no two main guys with him, he still carried that team all the way through so to me coming in Jokic was so consistent throughout the entire season and you have a checklist by month to month to month of who's leading the MVP race and like if I remember right I think it was Steph it was That's Tatum yeah it was crazy yeah right right and then you guys just start beating up on teams. Jokic is having a 70% true shooting, averaging a triple-double in the NBA. And then once you guys beat that Memphis team late in the season and you sew up the entire first seed, you start to lose games a little bit. But somehow the MVP race was lost in one month. What do you want to say about that swipe-up? Yeah, you know what's funny is, you know, people 
Because I often I'll bring this up sometimes, and I'll bring it up, you know, probably this year. We'll talk about it in a minute. But I, for me, that's a big deal, just because I think whenever you're getting ready to do something unprecedented, or at least something that hasn't been done in 40 years, and you have an opportunity to do it, and it's on merit, I'm like, well, shoot. I mean, people can say what they want. I think LeBron should have won in 2011. Well, LeBron did would want to watch Jokic get three in a row. I'm like, well, that's dumb. He should have won it. You know, Michael Jordan, for me, I've argued with multiple people about this. I, don't, I think that Barkley was really good. I don't think Barkley deserved it over Jordan, even if they were the higher seed one more game that year. I don't think Carl Malone that last year won it over Jordan. But if I had to pick between the two, Barkley deserved his in 93 over Malone did in 98 or whatever year that was. So, like, I get that there have been players that have been robbed. But for me, it was Jokic was so far ahead that they stopped talking about the MVP at one point late February because they were just like, it's done. It was not a talking point. Yeah, I remember It was that. over. It was like, I, and I remember I asked, like, is he going to be a unanimous MVP winner? Because everybody knew at that point. But what happened was that second straw poll came out and uh, from Tim Bodkins and ESPN. And Jokic had 77 first place votes of the 100 cast in the straw poll. And I remember Tim Bodkins came on the air and basically said, he just doesn't understand why is such a gap because Giannis remember they won uh like 16 straight games or whatever and yeah his number for coming back around come January and then Embiid and all this other stuff and the, the, the January 28th game where he had 47 18 and 5 versus Jokic's 24 points on 12 shots again which I'll get to that in a minute um and so everybody was making this huge deal about it. Perkins started crying about it. Like people online were crying about it. Twitter that was, was crying nasty. about it. They were making up the, the highlight videos from, you know, uh, the burners from like Bucks fans and 76ers fans. And, and people just were so irate. Like this dude hasn't even been to a finals. In my mind, I'm like, but just from a criteria standpoint, he was just the best player in the world. I think consensus at that point. I think on top of that, you know, because Steph in December for me, Steph was averaging uh, through December 29.6, I believe, on six uh, assists, and he was having six rebounds a game. And I think he had, at that point, when I tracked it, I think he had a 67.5 true shooting as a guard. So for me, I was like, well, if Steph's going to play this way the entire year, then he's obviously the best player in the world. And then he got but, hurt, and we lost a bunch of games, and it's like, it's clearly Elkish. Like, like right. I... I saw, like, Steph was literally 50, 40, 90, and at one yeah. point was shooting 72% true shooting. But then mm -hmm. the injury came, he came back. He wasn't exactly the same. And then at the end of the season, right. he picked up steam. But in terms of, like, a durable machine that right. played all of the games and also won to me, it's like, how is it not Jokic? And then right. the tweets of, like, oh, look at Jokic's defense against X team or Y team. When right. in reality, you can do the same thing for Joel Embiid when Dame saw him in multiple pick and rolls later on during the season when the Dallas Mavericks, you know, played that same team. Like, the the context of the MVP race this year to me, almost more than any other year, felt so toxic and so negative. Right. You had Kendrick Perkins on ESPN coming out and saying, Jokic only won those awards or is only in this conversation right now because he's white. Like, like, even pivoting to race away from basketball made me feel the way. Because it's like, why are we doing everything in our power to invalidate this man who just goes out there and hoops consistently? He doesn't talk about it. He doesn't even care too much about the award. He just goes out there to hoop. And all, like, these contexts and narratives came from nowhere. And 
in my opinion, that played a big role in why he didn't win it. Because had this yeah. had not been his third straight, I think a lot of members probably would have voted Jokic. Well, I mean, Nick Wright said that too. I think some voters mentioned that, that like if this was his first one, it might be a sweep. But I think Chris Bouchard said, well, Jokic is in the conversation with everybody else. You know, and so if it's not like a, if he's not head and shoulders above everybody, then giving somebody three straight would be hard for him. But I think for me, bro, it was just like, it wasn't a pro Giannis or pro Embiid year. It transitioned from Jokic is so clearly ahead of everyone. Now everybody had this visceral reaction to it. And it became like an anti-Jokic conversation. Like, why should Jokic get something Jordan and LeBron didn't get? Instead of Jokic, it just might be that good. And let me tell you this, bro. I'm probably going to, I'll talk more about this as the year goes on and get into the, to the next season. But I do think that Jokic is positioning himself to be set apart from everybody else in the league. And I don't say that with the slight, obviously, to Steph. Steph's going to be 35, you know, soon. Uh, I don't say that with a slight to Durant. You know, I'm not even considering an Embiid in this conversation, but even Giannis. But the reason I say, and I, I remember, in the, we'll talk about the playoffs and the finals in a minute. I just don't think that there's a player currently that you could basically put in a situation where you have to do the least amount of work to cover up his flaws. You know, obviously you need POA defenders, you need help side defenders, like you, you need that stuff. But relative to like, you know, Giannis, I just don't think that he has as many flaws. And I also think in a playoff setting, I think Jokic is just a better overall player. But I think that, you know, whoever you're putting in that conversation, whether it's Luka or Embiid or Durant or Steph or Braun or Kawhi, uh, you know, Kawhi obviously in the playoff setting is, is, is great. I do think that Jokic is going to start to separate himself in that. I just think that we're about to see a run from him that he is so comfortable gifted. Because what he did over the course of the year to Rudy Gobert, to Bam Adebayo, to DeAndre Ayton, to Anthony Davis, to Jaron Jackson Jr., to Draymond Green when they played versus each other. Like, there was Jared Allen, like, what he did to Robert Williams. Like, there's, there was no, like, defender or defense. And even his numbers, I remember, and I think what did it for me this last year at Gifted, when I kind of was like, yeah, this, I felt good about them in the summer, but I think this is a team that might legit win the ring. When the Boston Celtics uh, were the number one seed and they came over uh, to Denver to play in Denver, because they played them uh, in early in the year, and the Celtics beat them yeah. by, like, 23 points or something like that. But like I said, they were just coming back, like the you know Murray, Porter, all this other stuff. But bro, when they beat the Celtics, I think they beat them 121 to 108, and Jokic had 30 points, 12 rebounds, and 12 assists, like a 93% true shooting. And then the Celtics were top two defense at the time, and I was just like, yeah, bro. I mean, if, if this is if this is what people are telling me, like that this is the best you have to offer, I just think Jokic is just about to clear his way. Um, to be in the clear best player in, 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 in this era. And it's funny because, like, people, like, you know how it is, Twitter is, and, you know, people know me as, like, this Jokic guy and stuff. Like, bro, like, I grew up, my favorite players were Carmelo Anthony, LeBron James, and, you know, Dwayne Wade and Tracy McGrady and Kobe Bryant. Like, I never thought that I would ever see a player like Joker, but I think Joker's ability, plus Jamal, plus Porter, and Gordon, and KTP, and Brown, and Brown, and Jeff Green, like, man, they were just, like, so utterly dominant. And 
I think what happened is what you were talking about when March happened and they went eight and 10 in the last 18 game, everybody fell off the ship. Everybody. Did. So many overreactions, man. Like so, mm -hmm. so many people were saying, I have Denver, like they're the best team in the league. They're going to win. And then off of like 18 games or whatever, they then pivot their entire stance from that. Like we haven't seen teams take their foot off of the gas to close right. out a season to prepare for the playoffs. Like, I remember this exact conversation about, oh, go to state. They don't care too much about a regular season. But in the playoffs, sometimes you have players who just need to get through the regular season. Jamal Murray was still rehabbing and still trying to get himself right. And the same can be said for a player like MPJ. But make no mistake about it, once Denver entered the playoffs, they were locked in and they showed series after series after series why they were the best team and why they were going to win that finals like there was never a series in the playoffs for me personally where i had questions about can denver win based off of what they showed in the entire regular season i mean bruce brown really good player Jokic, consistent threat there was one game which you might know i don't know about it but it was one game that i cannot remember Jokic had like an insane shooter percentage like he he only missed like four shots i think he took like 20 shots he made 17 of them and was making every inside the arc jumper that i've seen just over and over and over like his his efficiency at that size as a player that, completely that bends the, the court uh, that could have been the charlotte game when he uh i think he had 43 40 27 and 10 i think it yeah been. i okay. think he was 17 of 20 from the field yes 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 right that's the game that's the game that's the game it's like right. like seeing him be able to do these types of things again makes it so weird that the mvp race got bogged down to that one thing there but obviously this team comes in to next season with experience and my biggest thing that we got to show this guy some love though jamal murray yep. like i mean a lot of people have felt that he's a good player he might be inconsistent sometimes in the regular season but now he, he's shown in multiple playoff runs that he can be that guy in the playoffs he steps up his game to a whole other level but the way Jokic and Jamal work in the two-man game and I told you this earlier right like even if Denver didn't win this year for me me personally I would not separate Jamal and Jokic based on how potent and strong their two-man game is because Jamal is a big guard he can post yeah. you up shoot the three play off ball he, he He's the best compliment to everything Jokic does. And his value yeah. showed tremendously, especially versus L.A. in the playoffs where he yeah. dropped 23 points in the fourth quarter. You know? Yeah, I mean, look, dude, he, uh, Jamal Murray's last playoff, you know, 26.1, 7.1, and he shot 47, 40, 93. I mean, bro, that's like, that's insane. Insanity, <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, I mean, and so that's what I mean. I just think, uh, I think Jamal, too. Do you, let me ask you this, actually, Gifted, because let me get an outside perspective. I've talked about this before. Sure. Do you think, do you think, because Jamal Murray didn't sign this extension. He was eligible for a three-year 144, but I think after Fred Van Fleet got that three-year 141, I think he was like, I heard you talk about this, too. I heard you talk about this, too. Right. Yeah. What do you think? Do you think Jamal... Uh, well, one, do you think he can make one of the all-NBA teams to earn a Supermax next year? Okay. Uh, first off, big shout-out to Swipe and Cam's channel because I actually heard this conversation on your channel while I was at work. To answer the question, 
I think what a lot of the coaches care about is how these players perform. But after you perform the way that you did in the playoffs, a lot yeah. of voters are not going to forget that for Jamal Murray. And if he's right. able to have his best regular season on top of Denver having sustained success, I don't think all NBA is out of the question for him at all. I kind of felt like people weren't really going to give him any look based off of them thinking, okay, he's injured. He's trying to uh, come right. back. But now the eyes are on Jamal more than they ever have been. So I do think he can make it. It's going to be tough though. Cause there's a lot of great guards. You got Steph, Dame, um, Steph, Luka. Dame, SGA, Luca, yes. Fox, Steph, Dame, Booker, Dame, Mitchell, Lillard, Fox, Booker, <laughs> Mitchell. Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's yeah, crazy talent in the NBA. Yeah. Ja too. Yeah. Well, uh, mm -hmm. well, no, actually not Ja because um he's not gonna play well, yeah, the games. Twenty five games. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I think he is a All NBA caliber guard, and that's the funny part because if you look at what he's accomplished individually, you don't see like All Star All NBA. But if you watch him, if you see the right. way that he performs in the playoffs, he. Can, uh, sorry, can clearly play at that level. So to right. me, Denver having another all-NBA player in Jamal would not surprise me. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough, man. But I think Jamal, he just, he wants a Supermax. And I think that's fair. Like, yes, I, he does. If I was him and I saw Jalen Brown get a Supermax, I'm like, yeah, I mean, he thinks he's a better player. I think he is a better player. That's I think next year it'll be 338. I think it's the Supermax number. So, uh Where's your what? What was your position on the, the two supermax players on one team? You said you don't like that for the team co construction. Yeah. So so basically, Jalen Brown, right? Um, he's gonna be making thirty five percent of the cap, right? And then when Tatum signs, he'll also make thirty five percent. So basically, you're gonna have two players on your roster make up seventy percent of the projected cap space from year to year to year, and that significantly limits the value plays you can find like Denver right. to me should be a prime example of like how important cap stuff is because you guys have multiple players outperforming their contracts and you had star players being quite frankly really underpaid Jokic his main value this season was way higher than whatever he got paid this season same thing right. can be said for Jamal Bruce Brown and even KCP like that's how good these guys were especially Christian Braun on a rookie deal, right? Mm -hmm. Now, in the case for the Nuggets, though, if you're super maxing Jamal Murray, the question I would have is who's out of the door then? If you mm. think that happens. Well, I think they'll just be over the apron. I think Porter's going to make 30. Uh, yeah. Gordon's making, he had a, a four-year 92, which I also remember they said that was an overpay, by the way, for Gordon. And they did uh, say that was an overpay, yeah. Right. <laughs> I remember and that. then Dylan Brooks gets a four-year $90 million deal. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think, I don't think everybody would trade it. I think that's going to, okay, so if they have two Supermaxes on the roster, yeah, what would you do with Porter then? Because Porter's has three more years on his his max extension and that was a five-year 170 extension so this is interesting right so we uh had a tier list like maybe four months ago where we like yeah, broke that. down <laughs> exactly where we broke down like every contract in the league right i think porter is a good player i still feel like the the value of his contract is so astronomically high even though he can fit that my question right. for him is 
for Denver what they believe in his next two years to be. Because what a lot of people don't know is MPJ is still not fully healthy. He played on a brace and was still producing at a high level. So yeah. my question would be, if you're thinking of keeping Porter on this roster, how replaceable is he in your mind? Like, 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 okay, can they win a title if you supermax Jamal, you lose MPJ, but you get like more spacing and more defense that's just not his caliber? Like, how good will they be if they didn't have him? Well, what would be a player under that contract value that would be? But Porter, I think, was the number one catch-and-shoot spot-up shooter this year. I think he was like 1.30 points per possession or something like that. Um, you know, yeah, he was. he's one of the best shooters in the NBA. I mean, technically, for being honest, he actually is the second most accurate volume shooter in NBA history to start his career behind the only Steph Curry. Yeah. And the only reason, by the way, he didn't top Steph Curry was because of the nine games he played with a back injury. But if you take those nine games out, He's literally the most accurate volume three-point shooter to ever start his career in the NBA. Yeah. So, and on top of that, bro, he actually gets to the rim well. Like, when he gets to the rim, he's a good finisher. He dunks on people. And again, his defense, which I told y'all was going to be better, was pretty good in the playoffs, you know? so It improved in like, the regular season a lot, yeah. yeah so, sure. what's, what, what would be right underneath him then? Uh, like, in... An OG, like, because even if OG would be on the same tier, arguably, as, as Porter, maybe. So, like, would you say OG is a good approximation for him? Like, who would be a replacement? So, I think OG is a good name to throw in there. Um, how I would evaluate MPJ is he is a three-point spacer who can, at times, catch a shoot and make difficult shots. Um, he doesn't have a great off-of-the-dribble game, but this season he took good strides in attacking closeouts which is good for him i yeah. still think his decision making at times even during the playoff run sometimes can be questionable and if his shot isn't falling he still needs to like consistently be able to find other ways to impact the game mm -hmm. there are multiple times where we're like i would see malone yank him for brown and brown will like be really really good but my bigger thing here is i don't even think it's fair to to like you know, guess his value right now because he hasn't been fully healthy. He's playing through yeah. a brace. And the question is the upside of him getting healthier and better at basketball in the next two years. Me personally, mm -hmm. I wouldn't trade him now because because it's like we haven't seen the best of what he could be. But right. I think the closest player in terms of like wings and size would probably be, be um, OG and potentially Kyle Kuzma. Like, lengthy guys who have size who can play defense alter shots but the problem with that is in terms of spacing mpj clears them as the spacer like how absolutely much, uh, clears them in that how much did kyle kuzma get did he get 30 a year um i think he got um 27 i believe i'll check it real quick on contract he got a well yeah uh 104 so I think that was a four. Is that a four-year deal or three-year deal? A four-year deal. Four-year deal. Oh wow! So you got just pretty. It's not bad yeah. at all. Yeah, that's a really good deal. So, so like, MPJ's contract is high, but again, like, I just feel like MPJ is replaceable from the perspective that your offensive thing, Jamal Murray is a legitimate three-level scorer. Jokic is a legitimate three-level scorer. 
and their continuity in terms of how they run their game to me you don't have to have so like so many premium players around those two so if you had to lose mpj i think you could actually eat that i think obviously you don't want to but i do believe denver could still be a good team if they did not have them on the roster Mm -hmm. yeah i mean we'll see bro uh I mean, I know that Pascal thing is going to be floating out there. Would you trade him for somebody like Pascal Siakam? Hundred percent. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even think about it. I would trade him yesterday if I could get Pascal Siakam on the team with Jamal Murray and Jokic. Like that, bro. So, so. <laughs> okay, wait, wait. So, hypothetically, you're talking about Aaron Gordon, Jokic, Siakam, mm-hmm. and Jamal Murray. That's insane, right? Am I, am I like off? I think only I think the only people that are worried about that are will question the spacing, but I don't really think I don't care about I, that. I I'm think, not gonna I lie. Pascal, yeah, I mean defensively they would be like <laughs> they'd be astronaut. Yeah, they they would be insane. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Jokic seven feet with a seven five wingspan, Pascal with a six nine, then a seven three wingspan, seven four, and then AG six eight with a seven two wingspan, Jamal six five, I think a six six, six seven wingspan. And then KTP six five with a you know a six 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 seven wingspan, yeah they would be they'd be insane. Plus all the offense, yeah they would be insane. And then at the same time, Siakam can play backup big if Jokic goes over to the vent. Like there's so much versatility, I would just right. automatically do that. I that is a no brainer for me. Who's the worst player you would trade Porter for then? Who's the worst player? Yeah. Uh. Who's the worst player? I can't think of a a worse player like, right now. Would you trade him for Kuzma? Would I trade him for Kuzma? Right now, no. Um, I think Kuzma can do some good things for Denver. But personally, after you win a title where MPJ is still not fully healthy, I want to at least see what he can turn into over these next two years before I trade him for that type of player right now to me so i wouldn't do it right now yeah yeah man i mean yeah bro i mean that's the thing about porter is how much better does he get because this is his first this is his first time coming into the season healthy since the 2019-20 season and that year he averaged uh 19 and 7 and he shot 44 percent from three 54 percent from the field all-time shooting season all time right. shooting season that year. Yeah. And then remember when Murray went out, I think he averaged like 23 and 8 and shot 50, 50, 80. So I mean, do you think do you think Porter could be a 50, 40, 90 player one day? Yes. Um, I don't free think those would be the hard part, though. That would be the hard right. part. Right. I don't think that that is it, like something that could be super difficult for him to reach because Jokic is a, such a high level playmaker. Jamal Murray is another great high level playmaker the thing with mpj that would keep him from doing that again is the decision making with the shots that he takes if he improves that in that system i don't see why he could not be a 50 40 90 caliber player because he absolutely is to me yeah i think the only thing a porter has to do who's a like kevin durant's an elite 90 percent three point free throw shooter at yes it's just really hard for some reason to shoot elite level free throws at that height so maybe maybe he could do it you know for sure i think that he definitely could do it but 
I think that's going to be the biggest question because if, if Jamal Murray and Michael Porter, this is the thing. Everybody's worried about Bruce Brown leaving and Jeff Green, but Porter's just turned 25. Murray just turned 26. Uh, Jokic just turned 28. So what if they get better? And Aaron Gordon's yeah. 27. So what if they all get better? Then what? And and what if Christian Brown and Peyton Watson take other steps next season as well like Denver is in such a good spot because you have a lot of your guys locked up so there is no drama about contracts Jamal might not take the extension to get the big supermax obviously but outside of that it's like the timeline makes a lot of sense for Denver right now there's not really much Denver has to do outside of make like smaller reads in Mm -hmm. terms of like adding in like smaller vet pieces who can play 10 minutes in the playoffs, like smaller tweets like that. But the the core as it stands is absolutely there still in those four to five guys, you know? Yeah, I'm excited, man. I, I think it's going to be, you know, the, the, the Nuggets have never had a time period like this. So, but I, I look at, I do look at the Warriors sometimes and I'm like, I mean, they were just able to get so lucky with the cap that year with, you know, they lost the uh, 15, 16 and then like, oh, hey, Here's an extra $16 million in cash base. And Steph Curry comes off the book because we got to resign him. Come on in, <laughs> Kevin Durant. You know what I mean? So, but that's important. Like, you need stuff like that to go on run. So, the Nuggets would have to be the first franchise since the, the Spurs to, like, go on an actual legitimate, like, you know, near dynasty-esque run. Wait, did, did, and I don't even think the Spurs never won two in a row. Uh, no. No. The bull, so that's what I mean. So even then, it's like the Lakers did. They had Kobe and Shaq. And then obviously the Bulls did. They had Pippen and Jordan. Last time we've had teams win two in a row would have been the Warriors or the Heat when they had LeBron, Bosh, and Wade. Yeah. Yep. And then mm-hmm. obviously, then it would have been the Warriors when they had Durant and Steph. But even Steph has never won two in a row without, you know, another top three player next to him. It's just, it's just hard. It's really hard to do. I think the main thing that um, makes it hard to do outside of keeping the value players that helped you win is right. to stay healthy. Like right. just just being healthy every year, like like Steph being hurt in the playoffs, hurt the team, Andre, Bogut, right? Like having these players not go through injuries for an entire postseason run is important. And Denver they were able to stay consistent in the playoffs. Nobody got hurt. They played through everything and they were good. If you're able right. to maintain that for an entire regular season and yep. the playoffs, you'll be in prime position to win. Half the battle is the battle of attrition. Right. Oh boy. Yeah, man. I mean, who do you feel like for you? Do you feel like the Warriors are going to be uh, like, are going to be real comp for taking over to win the West next year? So, so I've said this. Um, a whole lot right like i've said for the past three years right versatility is the number one thing to winning a championship right yeah, so 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 after the season we have where pool plays extremely inconsistent and then we trade that contract for chris paul um yeah. which is tough because i don't like chris paul personally but in terms of on the like the team i don't yeah. like the idea of of having a older guard who gets hurt all the time who is really more valuable with the ball in his hands, who doesn't set off ball, you know, <laughs> sorry, he doesn't set off ball screens like that. So for right. me, it's like, I don't really see the the great ad with that. I do like though, 
Chris Paul can really function with the second unit and make that stronger. But I don't think it really makes our team drastically better to where it's like we are championship. Like we should be the favorite. I don't feel that way. I feel like if we're able to have a lot of success, that's going to have to come from Klay Thompson getting back to form on the defensive end and having another strong offensive season. And that's questionable. Like uh, he he did not work out all last summer because he was traumatized because the last time he did it, he tore his Achilles and missed the whole season. So this season coming up is going to be the question on Clay, especially considering that he's making $43 million and is expiring after this season. So I don't really have like high hopes in in terms of this team will win a championship. I think this is more so a bridge year to the next season where there's more financial flexibility after Chris Paul's contract expires. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I, I legit think this, bro. I think that if the Warriors aren't careful, man, if Steph gets hurt again, which he has the last three years, they could be in a plan and miss the playoffs. Like, it's that close, but that's just because, like, I just don't love the, you don't, they don't have the athletes. Draymond's aging. He's becoming, like, kind of a little bit of a grump as he gets older, like, kind of like an old man, like, just the way, like, he's interacting with teammates and stuff. Clay, you know, had he was really good when Steph was out. Um, had really good numbers last year, but you don't know what you're going to get from him consistently. Chris Paul, injury management. I mean, your whole backcourt with CP3, Steph Curry, and Clay, they all could be like injury risks. And then who's your, and then a bench would be uh, Moody, Kaminga, CP3. Well, CP3 says he wants to start. So Moody, Kaminga. Yeah, he's not uh, starting, by the way. Who is, uh, 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 what's the name from Detroit? What's his name? Uh, you would be talking about Corey, Corey Joseph. Joseph. Corey Joseph. He might play. He might play every now and then. It would mainly be Dario Saric, GP2, Kuminga, Moody, Chris Paul off of the bench. That right. would probably be the unit. Um, yeah, that's that. Tough, that's what's concerning for me as a fan. It's just primarily like as inconsistent as Poole was, the highs he could reach were yeah. higher than what Chris Paul could be because Chris Paul is not going to be explosive. At this point in his career, Chris Paul is a low manager who might have a more consistent floor than Jordan Poole, but he's not going to reach the heights that Jordan Poole can reach. And also, Jordan Poole played 82 games last year. We're not getting out of Chris Paul. He's so small to be able to play that many games. That's really big. Yes. So... That kind of makes it tough a little bit. But um, who do you think are the biggest contenders in the East, by the way? Because we talk a lot about the Denver Nuggets. How do you feel about the Celtics, the Bucks, and also your lovely 76ers? Celtics are in that conversation as far as I'm concerned. I knew you was going to say that. James Harden's not going to be there. Uh, and if he is, he's going to do what he did in Houston. He's going to have a 40-17 and 17 game to start the year that he's going to crater after that. Like, get me out of here. Um, I think the Celtics are going to be tough, bro. Because that, you know, I put it out, you know, when they made the trade. But, like, their closing lineup, they're going to be able to have Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Christoph Porzingis on, on the, like, that's going to be their closing five. That's elite. Everybody can shoot. Five offensive options. I think four of them can get to the rim. That's good. Like, I think they're going to be really good, man. I think the Celtics can be the best team coming out 
I don't love the Bucks roster. Who do they add in free agency? Uh, Malik Beasley and uh... Beasley was the, the only name I could really think of. Um, they kept Brooke Lopez. Man. I'm pretty sure. Let's see, let me yeah. see. Bucks free yeah. agents. 2023, bro. They got uh who do they add? Oh, Jay Crowder got one year eight. Did I, did I just read AJ Green? They got uh, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, Robin Lopez. That's yep. right, and Malik Beasley. That's what it was. Robin Lopez and Malik Beasley. Right. So they got and Bobby Portis. So they're going to be big. But Giannis, you know, he's been hurt the last couple of years. Played less games than Embiid again. So, and then he got hurt in the playoffs again. So, you know, Giannis is healthy. Yeah, I think they're going to be good. I think they're going to be a top two seed. I think the three seeds, I think if, if the Heat get Dame, I think they're going to be the three seed in the Eastern Conference. Um, I think with Harden leaves, I don't. They, they, there's rumors on the street that this could be a gap year for the 76ers as Harden leaves, which I don't know what that means for a 29-year-old MVP. But... That's what they said what they might do. I don't think they're a real contender. Um, I think Cleveland, New York. So I think it's going to be Boston. I mean, it's going to come down to the Boston, the Bucks, and the Miami, basically. Yeah. Um, I would think the same. I feel weird about the Boston Celtics. Like, I did a whole channel upload where, like, I, I broke down, like, their roster. But the one thing I'm noticing that, like, they're missing is the POA defense from smart to where he could press up, play bigger. They no longer have that component. And also as a playmaker to help out Brown and Tatum, they also miss his passing as well. They don't really have many plus passers on the team. They just have Respect more, you Derek know. White. Okay, keep going. Respect Jason Tatum. We already thought about Jason Tatum. Keep going. Respect, respect Jalen Brown. Oh, okay. <laughs> All but right. He, but did, but did, he had four. I think he averaged four assists a game last year. That's that's fine and dandy. Don't wait, wait, wait. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> I think he averaged four assists. I look. I like Jalen Brown. You're not gonna make me hate Jalen Brown. All right? I think he's good. I don't hate Jalen um, Brown either. I think he's. Good. I just. I just think that he's more of a play finisher and with the contract that they signed him to what boston is really begging on is okay we have all of these skilled offensive players we're gonna make it work but we're also gonna limit the defensive versatility that we had with no, smart you sound, and then you the passing goes like down people when the raptors had t-mac and vince carter that t-mac oh my god until t-mac <laughs> got his own team with the magic and showed he's better than Vince. bro give jalen brown his own team uh, Go do that, Swiper. Give Jalen Brown his own team. How how many games does that team win? I think if he was, I think if he got traded to Portland, I think him and Shaden Sharp and screwed. I think he would be a very good player. He would be an All NBA player again. That's fine, but how many games are they winning? See, Jeremy Grant, Yusuf Nurkic, that team, 40, 42. 40, 40. Okay. All right. All right. I mean, they, they should win 40. They should, but not in this Western Conference. I don't think so. Who's, where, is the West going to be healthy, all these old men in this conference? Okay, okay. So, so listen, that is what makes, like, guessing next year's West hard for me because on paper, the talent is, is just abundant and deep. Like, right. I think Minnesota is really going to surprise a lot of people. 
Um, I was hiring them last year. Cat got hurt, but they look scary to close. And obviously in the playoffs, in my opinion, they played Denver probably the toughest outside of maybe the Suns. But even then, I don't really you got that trust the Suns. Round, by the way. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's cap. That's cap. That's cap. I actually felt that way in the moment because Jokic was the most inefficient version of himself only against that team. Every other team, different. Yeah, I mean, I think Minnesota is going to be good again. Um, I think they're loaded. They have three centers on the roster. Don't ask me why. Um, <laughs> Nikhil Alexander Walker. Everybody knows I have a love affair for that, for him as a player. Nice. Six foot six combo guard. Nice. Doesn't make any sense why nobody paid him more than what he got. Doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe I wish I he more. popped on the Pelicans. If he if he popped on the Pelicans, that team would. Oh man, I'm imagine, sick. I'm sick about Nikhil that. Nikhil Alexander Walker next to Steph Curry as a six six combo guard. Like you see what I mean? Like what that would look like? That's what I mean. Like why do people not want him? I would trade see? a first round pick for Nikhil. And that that is why like the future of the NBA, right? Like we've had so many convos about this, right? Like the versatility is really like the size meeting the skill, right? Like uh. having high skill guys at 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", like the, the, the uh, 6'1", 6'2", 6' foot, like those days are, are oh, aging wow. out. Yeah, no, I need size, length and defense with great offensive skill that is where the league goes and obviously you have a team that has a lot of size a lot of length and and a lot of skill that is the future of where the nba goes you think, which is kind of why getting chris paul be, hurts me a little bit do you think uh the nba is going to go back to being big dominated for the next like decade again uh big, like even let's say big wing to big big okay. wings to big yes yes i think i think that year in year out you're getting more wings that carry value. Paolo, Franz. <laughs> yeah, bro. Paolo, Franz, Jokic, Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes, if he turns into into a real basketball player. Like, there's... Be a there's fourth option on the championship winning team. On the, no, I go ahead. I'm sorry, sorry. Maybe fifth. Maybe fifth. Maybe fifth. But the point is, like, the, the size and the length and the ball handling a lot of these guys have. I'm in Thompson, right? Respect like, Cade Tellingham? I respect K too. He's he's good. Listen, I go to the games. I go to the games. I just hope he's able to stay healthy, okay? Yeah, I do yeah. think that is another example. Jalen Duran, right? Like the length, mm -hmm. the size, and the defense, that is where the league is going. Mm -hmm. They expect to be able to do everything. Like like now, right? If you are a five, you gotta be able to be switchable. You got to rebound. You gotta play pick and roll defense. And mm -hmm. it would be nice if so you could I, shoot. You I like not you're not describing somebody in the playoff setting. Go ahead, cook though. Cook nah, though. that's crazy. Nah, not you know what, Swiper? Put a name on it. Put a name on it. Nah, you didn't. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, last year the playoff wasn't drop coverage. I'm just saying, he was getting cooked. Uh, oh man, he was, getting, he was he was getting switched on to Jason Tatum in open floor space. I don't know. I don't know. Listen, I don't know. I just want to say I, I like you to know this that whenever that conversation comes up this year, that that Jason Tatum highlight package is gonna be insane. <laughs> Insane in a playoff in a game seven, yeah, yeah. That boy Tatum on the first quarter, left wing. That man put him out on an isolation set. Huh, give him, give him a, uh, 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 a hesitation, jumped in the air. Eek. Boom, I listen, listen. I'm not gonna criticize Joel Embiid for game seven, okay? I'm a great, great NBA fan. I'm gonna criticize him for game six 
where you literally win the series if you can score more than two points in the last five minutes to go. That is where the criticism for him and, and Harden should come. They, they, they didn't give him the ball. Like, I'm just like, what oh, do you they mean they didn't give you the ball? Oh, that hurt my chest. Everyone said. Hey, listen, shout <laughs> out to Derek, okay? Okay, listen, shout out to Derek. He He's like the biggest Philadelphia fan that I know. We will also be doing a podcast episode on his team and, and how he feels about that. But I'm not going to lie, it's... It's hard because the future of the East, like, I like the Pacers. I like they have a lot of teams that are still trying to really find themselves. Boston, obviously, we have to see how this max deal goes for them. But if the Heat get Dame, I think that's my pick to like really come out. I think. I don't think there's other teams. It's comparable, I think. Like, I mean. Okay, Gabe tried on defense, but his size naturally limited him to be super impactful, and they still hunted him a lot. I right. don't think Dame is good on defense, but if you put Dame in a system with a lot of plus guys on defense, he could maybe be a slight negative and not as bad as he is right now. Hey, maybe. The, shooting, the shooting would be trash or horrific, but Dame, Josh Richardson, Jimmy Butler, Haywood Highsmith with uh, Bam Adebayo. Yeah. The shooting will be trash. He shooting is a little trash, but but I do get it. Like like uh, I think when you add Dame on the Heat, the stuff you're doing to create more advantage for Bam Adebayo in the pick and roll as a secondary playmaker, and now you're putting Jimmy Butler off the ball more to be a more complete overall player. Like that, Jimmy Butler is a slasher. That's a good team. That's a good team, I think. But yeah, man. Yeah. I'll say this, right? To 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 like get us almost there, you expect Denver to go back to back next season. Is that where you're at right now? Yeah, I think Lord willing, uh and everybody Dale Valente for the entire NBA. I think everybody stay healthy, man. Okay. I think that yes, but ultimately I have given you, I've told you this before. I always have the same formula. Whoever the best player is in the league, if that player has a healthy competent roster around them they typically do not lose yeah they don't lose so whether that's jordan that's lebron and then you can say steph curry if you want say his name say his name Mm -hmm. yes i mean steph curry the durant years or steph curry kind of really counts the 2014 15 year we all know why but like get out of here no i'm saying but like they didn't play against a healthy squad like that wasn't really you know what i mean like but even i'm sorry wait are we just going to ignore the fact that we saw Giannis, one of the best players in the league, struggle individually versus the Boston Celtics, but then Steph broke that defense like a prime Shaq in that same final series? I, oh, wait, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm I, just saying he, we, he, yeah, me, he, he, we saw level all-time offensive player versus the elite all-time two-way player with clear hold. Oh, give me. Well, let me let me, let me <laughs> <disrespect> <laughs> look at you. Look me, at me, you. Okay. You. I will All right. Always take a Steph Curry. But I, for me, I think I, I told you this before. Now everybody on NBA Twitter is caught up. Yes. All right. Playmaking, I told everybody for over a year, it's the most valuable thing in basketball. Yep. Shot making, shot making, shot creation. Three most valuable things in basketball. If you got a dude that can do all these things at an elite level, you're, bro, you're Jordan, Braun, 2012, obviously Steph Curry, Larry Bird, 
Uh, even even Magic Johnson, you know, he had some years where he could shoot, but his obviously shot creation for other people was amazing. And obviously right. Jokic, Steve Nash. Like, those players, man, they typically, like, they just have something that they're able to do at a level, but on volume that other people can't do. Kevin Durant, 2014, 2016, 17, 17, 18. Great years. Kawhi, yeah. Kawhi Leonard, 2018, 19. Like, you just get those players. And Giannis, even that, that run he had, he shot 41% from mid-range. Yeah. So that's what I mean, bro. Like, I would always take those kind of players. I think it's easier to, to fortify those players that are elite than it is, you know. But, like, so I, I agree, bro. I think that, I, yeah, I don't have an issue with that. I think to your point, though, right, and, like, this is where I say this take that is apparently, like, blazing hot. But I'm telling you, like, the more and more I look at the Bucks roster, and I, I can't wait because I have a, a passionate Bucks fan who I will be talking about this with on the podcast, right? But, but like... Not frauding. Uh, his name would be Kareem. Big shout out to Kareem. Okay. But, oh, I know but um, yeah. yeah. So, so like my take on it though is the Bucks, like they're not as athletic as people think they are from the wing position. Drew Holiday's getting older. He just got destroyed by Butler consistently in a playoff series. Chris Middleton did not look like the same Chris Middleton. To be fair, he could look better next season. Yeah. But at the same time, it's. It's like it's an aging roster that has Giannis. Brooke Lopez is about to be 36 years old next year. Like, there's question marks about how good this team really can be and really what the window is. And to me, it doesn't look good if like a part-time owner is is sharing, sorry, is selling his shares early and Giannis has not signed a extension yet. Like th- that I think in two years, this entire situation could blow up and go really badly. Or they're just really dominant and win. But we have to see, coached under Adrian, how this team will look in the half court. Because yeah. year after year after year, the half court offense is not great. But what not made good. them... Not the top half no, of the league. No, no, it's bad. Right. But he's but a what, 10 on offense, though, gifted. <laughs> I forgot about that take. But, but, like, what makes them be able to overcome that is having such a strong defense... Never Using had a top Giannis five offense, but it's on offense. Anyway, go ahead, bro. I'm sorry. You're toxic. <laughs> You're toxic. Okay, listen. <laughs> Having a top defense, right? And using Giannis off of the ball to not initiate the offense, but having Chris Middleton be the ball handler in the pick and roll, using Giannis as a screener and a dive guy to close our games. And I'm sorry, but they just got destroyed by a Miami Heat team who coming coming in, because remember, I remember every single narrative. Coming in, that Heat team had lost by, like, 30 points to the Hawks in the play-in. They were three minutes away from being out of the play-in versus mm-hmm. a Bulls team that did not have DeMar DeRozan's well, daughter to yell. a particular space host that said they should just mm-hmm. blow it up, trade Jimmy Butler, and just go ready, get ready for the draft and all that. Anyway, <laughs> go ahead. Hey, hey, listen, shout-out to Ev because Ev is going to be on the podcast as well pretty soon. Big shout-out to him. <laughs> we're actually recording on Monday. But, but yeah, the point is, is like, the way Miami was able to just score in bunches, it exposed the half-court offense from the Bucks to the fullest right. degree, especially in that closeout game because they were down 3-1, and what was everyone saying, Swipe? But, oh, you know what? This team, they're going to come back and win because they have Giannis, all this talent. Then they lose. Oh, the Bucks aren't as good as we thought they were. And it's like, and no, their flaws have been consistent, and I'm worried about those flaws coming into next season as well. This, I really this am. This is my thing. Giannis had 38 and 20, and everybody's like, well, what did you want him to do? I said, well, there's a lot he could have did. But then if you bring it up, then it's like, well, he was hurt. I'm like, well, what is it? He has 38 and 20. 
and you said he did enough, but then he missed 13 free throws, threw the ball out of bounds in the game, couldn't make a jump shot, but you're saying it's, he's hurt. That's why he's doing that. I'm like, no, he's – and I think Giannis is a top two, top three player in the league. So I think for me it's just the narrative stuff, man. Like, I just think that – I don't know. But again, maybe I think Giannis is closer to be a center. He's closer to a traditional center yeah. than I think people realize. And that's just what it is. Like he, I think he shot, I think he's shooting 61% in his, in his playoff career from the free throw line. Yeah. And below 29% from three. It's not great. And like, I feel like the way the Bucks have built the roster has been good in terms of having a five around him who can space and still protect the paint that enables Giannis to be this great help side guy. But Brooke Lopez, like, bro, how many good years of Brooke Lopez are we going to get right now moving forward? Is it two? Is it three? Is it four? Because he was sensational last year. He was really, really good last year, right? Like, arguably DPOY level. They lose Mm -hmm. in the playoffs, and now it's like, oh, Brooke Lopez actually, you know, (laughs) sucks. And it's like, no. They just lost because of their offense. Do Do you think it would be better if they put an uh, offensive-leaning roster around Giannis? Honestly, like, yes. Maybe four spacers everywhere. Everybody can shoot. I think you have to maximize that offense more. But my bigger thing is spacing isn't the only answer because then it's going to be drive, kick, drive, kick. In reality, it's using Giannis as an off-ball screener to close out games as a diver way more consistently in space. Doing that is how they won a title I don't know why they choose to try to deviate away from that to where to decide your season, it's not Giannis, it's not Grayson Chris Allen. Middleton, it's Grayson <laughs> Allen deciding your season. Like, I I don't know. That was crazy. It felt like a dream from Jimmy yeah. Butler getting that tip in to Grayson that was a not crazy tip aware in. of the shot clock. Yeah, I just, yeah. It, it didn't feel real at the ending of the game. And then they just walked off the court. I was like, is this series over? And then, yeah, it was over. Yeah. And that's why... I, I can't wait because I think next year we are truly going to see like some special playoffs from both conferences. Um, we have no basketball now, so I have time to like sit down and really go through like each each individual team. So I want to say, do you think that outside of the top three, if they get Dame, do you think anybody in the East actually is going to have a compelling shot? Outside of the the Heat, the Bucks, and um, the Celtics, mm-hmm. no. No, I don't. Because um, in the West, do you think there's four, there's maybe five or six teams? Nuggets, I, Heat, Warriors, Lakers, Clippers. I would say Suns. Nuggets. I would say Lakers. I would say Suns. I probably have the Warriors. It's like my fourth team right now, I think. But, but like, oh, Clippers? and also the Clippers, if they stay healthy. <laughs> I'm so tired of doing this if they stay healthy. Just, 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 yes. I'll say Clippers, yes. They have a chance, yes. I, I will say that. What about Memphis? Okay, Marcus, now Memphis. Marcus Smart, Ja, Jaron, Steven, Brandon. I li- okay, I like Memphis's defense a lot. I think they still need to have a wing who can create good offense consistently with them. They're another team that doesn't have such a potent half-court offense, and they also just lost Tyus Jones, which right. was really one of the best backup point guards in the NBA. But you are adding Smart, who gives them a great defense. He's a great pair with JJJ as well. And Ja could be super motivated after his 25-game suspension. So they could be really good. But I still think they're... That's going to be insane. And Steven Adams, that's going to be insane to play against. I still think Memphis might be like a year away. 
I'm just looking for that wing piece. Once they get that wing piece, I would be all in on them, but they need that wing piece. So when is Desmond playing the three when Ja comes back? Desmond's probably going to play the three. I think what they're going to do is they're going to have uh, Ja, Marcus is going to go back to being a two guard, and they'll probably play Bane, Bane at the three, I think. How do you feel about that? Off-ball Bane? Uh, I think off-ball Bane is good, yeah. Um, I kind of just feel like the size comes, comes into question at that point, but it could work out in terms of, you know, uh, oh, churning out wins. Desmond Bain is, is supposedly 6'6". Six, 6'6"? Six. Six, six. I thought he was, um... No, he's 6'5". Six, 6'5". Five. Six, five, so. Right. Okay, yeah. That's. I mean, he's big, but that's just not like... But how much size do you need? Marcus Mark's 6'4", John's like 6'3", six, 6'2". Six, yeah, but if you play a team like... Denver or like the Lakers who just have side like tremendous size and like you don't really have a real answer for that size especially if they can guard you in the half court you're going to be limited like Ja has to improve as a half court playmaker in my mind which he can absolutely take that leap but those are the question marks I have I think they'll be good but I don't see them as an actual uh, championship Josh contender too, bro. They, he, can, he should get some time for them Okay. Uh, Kenny Lofton Jr., David Roddy. He's only 6'5 and 255. No way. Isaiah Todd. That was a good gift for them. That was a good gift, um, yeah. Zaire Alexander, if he grows a little bit. Uh, Aldama is a good player. Mm-hmm. So maybe. So Jared Jackson closing at center. Who do you play next to him, do you think? JDJ closes at center. Part of me wants to say that they'll try to close with Adams. Because their best offensive rebounding numbers comes when they're both on the floor. But the offense would be untenable in spots with two of those guys. JJJ yeah. taking that leap as a consistent, like, knockdown. Like, like, we cannot leave this guy open from three spacer. Would change that team tremendously if he could do he that. Huge, bro. Huge. He's 6'11", 242. Huge. 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 If he can just be a more efficient three-point shooter to where defenses respect him a whole lot more, you could play Adams and be fine. I really do believe that. I think I would write that. I want to see John Morant, Marcus Smart, uh-huh. Desmond Payne, Jaron Jackson. But at the four, I'm not going to lie, bro. Like, I could go I could go Brandon Clark, but he can't shoot. He's not going to um, be able to play, though, because he tore his... Uh, Achilles. Achilles, so... He might not I mean, play for the whole season. We don't. We don't know. Yeah, maybe by the end of the season. Uh, I like. I like Aldama. Like he's a good player. He just. Mm-hmm. He just. He just. You know, he's not like great. Uh, Conchar six five. Maybe they could just play small and then have Luke Kennard out there and then put Desmond at the four. But they're not defending anybody, obviously. But there's that's a shooting. You know. I mean, but that's why if the question is, do you see them as a contender? Like, do you see them beating three teams in the West to go to the finals this upcoming season? I don't for that reason. No. But I think they can take steps to success. Big shout out to Giannis and and also Joel Embiid to have success in the playoffs for years to come. Right? So. Do you see the Warriors beating three teams in the West? I don't know. I don't think we are a tier one team. I really don't. I wouldn't be surprised if we go out within maybe the second round. But there's also hope that, like, oh, shit, 
the spacing is more consistent. We finally have a ball pressure guard coming off the bench to start the season. Chris Paul makes the bench better, and that's how we get better. Dario Saric gives you length IQ and good spacing. Like, there's a chance that they just shatter those expectations and, and win. But me personally, I'm just not too high on the size of, of the roster. Having a front court that has Looney and Draymond as non-spacers, it's, it gets kind of complicated with them, but I still think that like the sheer potent talent of that roster with continuity can absolutely compete and be in that conversation. But I'm not too high on it. I don't really expect them to go that far into the playoffs. And, oh, look, gifted. He's being unbiased. That's just how I feel. I don't know. Like, you know, they're good, though, I think. But making it that far to me, like, I'm looking at size, length, games played, three-point shooting, half-court offense, transition defense. Like, all these factors matter in finding out which team is going to go to the finals and win it all. All that matters. So. The Warriors just got old out of nowhere and slow out of nowhere. Very old. And they got CP3. Anyway, that playmaker is going to be insane, though. So, her, hopefully, a career year from Steph Curry, off ball spacing. So, we'll see. All right. Well, I'm going to say this much. Uh, big shout out to Swiper Cam for coming through on episode 16 of the Gifted Who's podcast. Swiper, I'm going to be having 29 other conversations kind of like this going through every single team in the West and the East. Uh, make sure to go follow Swiper on YouTube, Twitter. I'm pretty sure all of his handles are Swiper Cam or some approximate of that. Swiper, let the people know where they can find you and what projects you have in the works. Yeah, nobody follow me. Leave me alone. Um, I am working on some stuff. Uh, obviously, YouTube. I got some real stuff in the in the in the making. I got a show that I'm gonna be launching here in the next couple of weeks that I'll let everybody know about. And, uh, yeah, man, we just keeping it moving, man, trying to do this full time. So y'all know what time it is. I appreciate it. Shout out to Brother Gifted for bringing me on for sure. Big salute to Swiper. And I want to say shout out to everyone who listened to this episode. It's going to drop on Monday. Also, big shout out to everyone because we just hit a thousand subscribers on YouTube. So I'm on my way as well consistency a, a lot of creators are pausing because there's no nba i'm accelerating this is my preseason so we're gonna like start dropping a whole bunch of content so big shout out to swipe for being the first guest that we have as we transition through every team in the nba breaking down the ins and outs of that so big shout out to you swipe we will catch you guys in the next episode which should be dropping thursday so tap in appreciate y'all and make sure to follow the gift of podcast on spotify Apple Podcasts, and YouTube for the video version as well. Peace out, people. Enjoy basketball. And I just want to end this officially saying I have a fresh cut and Swiper will not show his head. Peace. Uh